In this week's episode, I am chatting with Emily Tomlinson about how her sobriety is her superpower. Emily has an incredibly inspiring story to share about how she became sober and how that gave her the strength and resilience she needed to be the mama she is today to a very special little boy. It's an amazing story. It's an incredible conversation. She is such a special person, and I just know you are going to fall in love with her. Here we go. Welcome to the Around the Campfire podcast. They say it takes a village to raise a child, but I believe it also takes a village to raise a mom. I'm your host, Jillian Benke, the founder of Mom Camp. And each episode, I chat with busy moms who are doing awesome things in life and work. Join us for real conversation and community, because this is your village. This is the Around the Campfire podcast. Hi, Emily, and welcome to the Around the Campfire podcast. Hi, Jillian. Thanks so much for having me. Excited to be here today. Awesome. Can you start by introducing yourself, who you're a mom to, all of that? Yes, of course. Uh, My name is Emily Tomlinson, and I am a single sober mom to a five-year-old little boy named Nash. Nash is extremely special, also known as a butterfly child, and he suffers from the worst disease that you've never heard of called epidermolysis bullosa. Yeah. Or EB as people. Or EB. Yeah. 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 We are going to talk about all of the things you just said, because you just said a couple of really big topic words. Yes. Um, Yes. So first and foremost, I think Mm -hmm. we are going to talk about sober mom. Yes, definitely. That's how you describe yourself. And that is the, the big message that we're going to go into today. So Can you explain a little bit about that? Take us back, however you want to share this story. Take us through it. Yes, it would be my pleasure. Um, So I am again a sober mom and I have been um, an alcoholic and an addict my entire life. I did not know that I was, um, that I suffered from the disease of alcoholism and addiction until I was 30, but I really struggled with it my entire life. Some of my earliest memories, um, I felt like I was never good enough. I was never pretty enough. I was never smart enough. Like I just felt like I never fit in and I couldn't figure out why, why did I feel so different from everyone else? Um, And then around the age of 13, I discovered alcohol and all of those feelings of inadequacy slipped away with my first drink. And, you know, I used alcohol and drugs to, to feel right. And to feel like I was a part of for 17 years. And then, yeah, before I knew it, I just couldn't stop using. Um, I had to have something in my body just to make me feel normal, happy. Um, felt like I was, you know, a part of society, Yeah, but, um, yeah, I struggled with it for more than half of my lifetime. And then it came to a point where I was like, I can't live like this anymore. This is not who I'm meant to be. Yeah, I became, you know, a shell of a human being. I hated who I was and what I did to my life and to those that I loved. Was there a and, moment where you sort of hit that realization? Cause I mean, I can imagine you're just living in the fog. What mm-hmm. actually gave you that clarity? You know, I, um, since 
getting clean and sober, I've become very spiritual and I Mm. believe it was the beginning of my spiritual awakening. You know, I believe that I've been guided my entire life by angels and spirits and, you know, a higher power that, um, just, you know, started to, to give me that clarity to say, Mm. this is not how your life is meant to be. And one day I was just like, I have to do something. I either have to tell my family that I am, really struggling or I, you know, maybe I'll move across the country and, and that will cure my problem. Um, it did not in the beginning, right. but I was gonna say I did it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The geographical cure, um, does not work. You actually right. have to do the work <laughs> to yeah. get clean and sober. So thankfully I did find that as well once yeah. I moved across the country, but there, I think it was just, again, the beginning of my spiritual awakening. Yeah. Did you tell your family before you moved or? I did. Okay. I, I did. I, I went to my dad and I said to him, you know, dad, I, I think I'm really struggling with alcohol. I didn't want to tell him that drugs were also an extremely big part mm. of my addiction. Um, but I, but I did, I confided in him, told him I was going to move across the country and move in with a friend of his who is also um, sober and and he was thrilled to hear that so it did take me a lot of courage to to come forward with that and share that I was really struggling but again that was the beginning of the end yeah 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 so was it morning till night like it was just every waking moment you know what it wasn't so that's why I think for so many years I didn't really believe that I was an alcoholic Mm. I knew I had a problem with drugs but I did not think I was an alcoholic I was a functioning alcoholic. Like I did not need to drink as soon as I woke up in the morning. I didn't drink, um, every single day. I was more every other day because if I wasn't drinking, I had a horrible hangover. Um, (laughs) but I was hiding when I was drinking. I was, um, you know, when I started drinking, I could not stop. You know, they say, um, you know, a thousand is too many and one is never enough. Like I just, um, I just couldn't stop, but you know, I still went to work, but then in the, you know, as it became close to the end, I was losing jobs. I was doing things that I said I would never do in my life, Mm. um, just to be able to drink and use. Right. So it, um, they say the disease of alcoholism is a progressive disease. Like it's a progressive illness. It will never get better. And that became true for me. Like mine always got worse. Or is there negotiation with yourself in those moments? Like, because you're kind of breaking a contract with yourself when you're doing things you said you'd never do. So were you sort of a lot of justification? Yes. Yeah. You know, um, I, you know, I, I tried so many different things to manage my drinking. Um, I, you know, said, okay, I'll only have two drinks or I'll, I'll only drink beer or I'll only do this. Like I would, I really tried to negotiate deals with myself Mm -hmm. so that I could not be an alcoholic because I really didn't want to be an alcoholic. I thought that if I gave up alcohol, that my life would be over. I really thought I wouldn't have fun. I wouldn't be able to, to go to parties um, and that I wouldn't be able to live life without alcohol. But little did I know that once I stopped drinking, my life actually began. Like I am the person that I wanted to be my entire life today because I'm sober and I have a life beyond my wildest dreams because I am sober. Um, you know, I've survived some really tough things because I am sober. 
Yeah. And I, you know, the life in sobriety is, is what I always thought I would get from alcohol. It's, it's incredible what you've, what you've come through and what you've accomplished. And even just hearing you say, I didn't want to be an alcoholic. So I would, you know, tell myself I'll only do this. I think even that might've been the beginning because you knew Mm -hmm. you were trying to avoid something that was coming down the path. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 It, but it really didn't hit me. Like it didn't hit me until, you know, I moved across the country and really tried to manage my drinking for about seven months. I really tried to manage it and limit the amount of drinks I had. I tried not to go in certain situations and it wasn't until, um, there was a time when I genuinely, like genuinely did not want to drink with everything inside of me. I did not want to have a drink. I'd gone about two weeks and then I was offered a drink and, and I, I was thinking in my head that I was going to have a club soda. Mm-hmm. And then the word beer came out of my mouth. And in that moment right there, it hit me that, oh my gosh, I am an alcoholic. I don't like, have I control. Powerless. I have yeah. no control. And since that night, the next day was my sobriety day. And I have not had to have a drink or a drug in my body for over seven years um, because I had that, that realization and that spiritual awakening that I am an alcoholic and an addict yeah. And, and it's okay. I suffer from a disease that I didn't choose. You know, I was born with this disease. This yeah. disease runs in my family. It's right. in my genes. You know, being an alcoholic and an addict doesn't make me a bad person. It's mm-hmm. just a disease that I was born with yep. like thousands of others in this world. And for the longest time, I couldn't figure out why someone like me who had a good life and I was a good person use substances the way I did. Like I couldn't figure it out for so many years. It wasn't until I found a solution that taught me about my disease. What was the solution? Like, what did you do to get sober? For for me, the solution, I became a member of Alcoholics Anonymous and um, surrounded myself with people who suffered from the same disease, but Mm -hmm. had found a solution, you know, a fellowship of people who wanted nothing more than to help me get clean and sober. Yeah. You know, I jumped into the middle of that and um, went to many meetings and got a sponsor, you know, a woman who who had something that I wanted. She had sobriety and she lived life clean and sober and she was happy. And, you know, that's what I have done. That has been my solution. That is my go to. Um, That is what I've used for the last seven years to stay clean and sober. Was it harder I mean, that's sobriety day and you haven't had a drink and you haven't had a drug, but was it harder to give up the alcohol than the drugs? Cause I noticed you talk, you talk more about the alcohol and it was yes. the beer that was the issue. And, you know, so yes. was it-, it, it was because I thought, because alcohol is so socially acceptable right. in, in, in society. Right. And, um, so the drugs, it, they, they were hard to give up, but, um, I truly believe that if I didn't find drugs and abuse them the way I did, that I probably would still be drinking because the drugs brought me to such a low, low bottom, um, that I was able to identify that they go hand in hand and that I have to be free from all mind altering substances. If I want to live clean and sober, I can't pick and choose which ones I want in my life and which ones I don't because I'm an addict. Yeah. and an alcoholic. And once I start using, I cannot stop. 
Yeah. Even, you know, even if people are begging me to stop, even if I sincerely don't want to drink or use, I don't have the option. It's no. not an option for me. So the only option for me today is to stay clean and sober. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, incredible. And so inspiring. I've heard, I mean, Alcoholics Anonymous does seem to be the sort of gold standard that gives people the support they need, but for you to just find, to recognize and then find that solution and to just make that change in your life is so incredible. I mean, have you, have you sort of figured out what it was? I mean, you were a child when you started Mm -hmm. Have you figured yeah. out sort of where those feelings were coming from that led you there? And uh, I, I really think, you know, those feelings, I think it's just the disease of alcoholism, okay. Interesting. you know, um, you know, I always thought um, that I had to, I really thought that alcoholism and addiction only happened to people with trauma in their lives. Um, yeah. But I now know that that's not always the case. No. Again, I had a really good life. Like, you know, we spent our summers at the cottage and spring break in Florida. Like I played baseball. I took dance. Like I had a really good life. I have two parents who I've never seen drunk. Wow. And so it's there, you know, but I believe my disease of alcoholism, it, it, um, it, it, it causes me anxiety. Mm-hmm. It fills me with fear. It constantly tells me that I'm not good enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and my solution to that disease is alcohol and drugs, right? So there's not one pivotal moment in my childhood or, um, that, that led me to believe that I was an alcoholic. It's just the, it's just the feelings that I get yeah. when I don't have substance in my body. That's and, it's so interesting. I've never connected childhood feelings with what leads to addiction and alcoholism. Mm-hmm. I yeah. I've never connected that, but it makes so much sense that those feelings can be a, a, be a precursor because they, you want to find a solution, mm-hmm. right? That's, that's incredible. Yeah. That's incredible. all I ever wanted was to be, was to be a part of, right. Yeah. I just wanted to feel accepted and a part of, and and loved. And I was by so many people, but I never felt that. I never felt that deep in my soul. Like I never felt that connection and I could not figure out why. Um, and that is my disease of alcoholism and addiction talking. Um, and you know, today I, I do feel loved. I'm excited. That was my next question. You can feel that now. Yeah. I can feel that now. Like, you know, in the rooms of alcohol, Alcoholics Anonymous, um, in my, my, my immediate circle, like I, I just, I feel it. I know that, that I'm where I'm meant to be today and that I have the life that I've always wanted sober. Amazing. Mm -hmm. Amazing. And how long was it after you got sober that you got pregnant with Nash? Well, let's see. I think I was, um, I was about a year and a half. I was a year and okay. a half sober. So very new still in sobriety. Oh, right. Um, you know, I was for my first year in sobriety, I made it my job and my life mission to dive into the program, into my mm-hmm. fellowship and to do absolutely everything that was suggested of me to stay clean and sober. And, um, part of that was staying single for my first year. And I committed to that. And not long after my first year, I met my son's father and was pregnant within, I think five or six months of meeting him. So, 
Um, you know, I had Nash just over two years clean and sober. And um, so life, life changed really quickly. Um, something that I wasn't fully prepared for. Yeah. You know, I had plans to, to live life clean and sober. I wanted to travel. Like there was a lot I really wanted to do yeah. with my new clean and sober life. Like I hadn't felt this, this good in so many years. And then, you know, God and the universe had a different plan for me and yeah. I became a mother. Yeah. To a very special little guy. To a very special little guy. Yeah. yeah. So when, can you when, explain? Yeah. Sorry. Go on. Finish your sentence. No. <laughs> yeah. No. So he's, yeah. Very special. Like I did, I had no idea what, uh, what motherhood had in store for me when, when Nash yeah. was born. Yeah. yeah. And can you tell us a little bit about when he was born? Of course. Yeah. So when, you know, pregnancy, my first pregnancy, he's my only child was, was a struggle for me. Like again, so I'm newly sober and now I have all of these hormones and new emotions that I've yeah. never experienced before. It was an emotional roller coaster, and I was full of fear and really struggled like with, with pregnancy, but I thought, no, Nash is going to be, you know, he is going to be my gift mm -hmm. for doing all the hard work and sobriety. He's going to be my gift. And he certainly is, but he was born when he was born and they placed him on my chest. I looked down and noticed that Nash was missing skin on his feet. His feet looked like raw, um, third degree burns and you could almost see the bone. Oh, and I, 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 I couldn't understand why mm -hmm. and, and the nurses when they put them on your chest it's they know no it was such a blur like I'd been in labor for about 24 hours um okay. pushing for three or four hours oh wow and they had to use um the the forceps and Ooh. the suction to yeah it, it was it was a pretty tiresome uh, labor and delivery yeah. and so when they put them on my chest I was exhausted but all I remember is looking down and, and seeing that image Mm -hmm. and the nurses they didn't say anything they quickly scooped him up off my chest and took him because he wasn't breathing very well and they needed to bandage his feet because there was a lot of blood oh um but they had no idea what it was either and after you know um I kind of came to and came out of that fog I said to them what's wrong with his feet and they said well maybe his umbilical cord was wrapped around his ankles and it was just been rubbing for for months and I thought oh okay I, I knew not I knew nothing else mm -hmm. and then within 36 hours um, we were rushed down to BC Children's Hospital and Nash was admitted to the NICU um, because he had blisters in his mouth and shortly after you know being in the NICU standing in the NICU looking at my day old son with a needle in his head and skin missing from his feet, they um, identified that he suffers from epidermolysis bullosa, also known as EB, which is a rare genetic skin disease that um, causes his body to not build the protein that holds our skin together. Right. So the slightest friction or bump on his skin causes large blisters or skin shearing from head to toe. Um, this was something that did not show up in the genetic testing prior to while I was pregnant. Um, this is a disease that I knew absolutely nothing about. I'd never heard of it before. Yeah. And they say it's a genetic disease, but with Nash, his is a spontaneous mutation. So there is his meaning his dad nor I carry the gene. We did not give this to Nash completely wow. spontaneous. Yes. So it was a lot, you know, well, new mom. 
two years sober, like yeah. still figuring that out and being hit yeah. with some of the biggest stressors that you yes. could ever be hit with. Yes. Yeah. I, I was I can't devastated. Imagine. Yeah, yeah. But now, I mean, there's like, there's like sort of two parts here, but were you ever feeling the draw to, um, solve the problem with alcohol again? No. Amazing. It's, yeah. I cry, but like the fact that, um, not once, not once did it even cross my mind. And that is what the program of Alcoholics Anonymous and my higher powers have done for me. They have completely yeah. removed the mental obsession and that oh. physical craving for alcohol and drugs. Amazing. Not once did it cross my mind that having a drink would make this situation better. You know, I oh. was down there in the NICU and because I'm surrounded by an amazing fellowship of women and men, you know, I had women um, offering to come into the hospital to have a meeting with me. Amazing. I was taken to meetings while Nash, while Nash's dad stayed with him in the hospital. Like I was taken to meetings, you know, two days after delivering, because that is my solution today. That yeah. is the only thing that is going to help me get through these tough days, these yeah. tough lifetimes. Right. I remember when I was, um, Anytime I had stress in my life before getting clean and sober, I used to say, I need a drink. Right. And now my solution today is, ah, I need a meeting Yes, because I get that same release and that same comfort, um, by going to a meeting and getting into my solution that I did when I was drinking. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. It, it's funny. I, I just looked down, we're not going to have the video on for this mm. episode, but I'm wearing a sweatshirt that has the word wine on it. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> and you're wearing a sweatshirt that has the word sober mom on it. <laughs> so That's awesome. So good. Um, but for me, because wine is so tied to motherhood, like moms, mm -hmm. but I, and maybe it's because of my family history with alcoholism, but I get, I stay away from the language of I need a drink mm -hmm. because I'm very sensitive to what people in my family went through. And mm -hmm. I never heard them say that, but I knew that they were coping with alcohol. Right. Yes. And so I, I never, I, I'm not going to say I never said it. I'm sure I've said it. You know, there have mm -hmm. been days with, with our son yeah. that I have definitely <laughs> needed something, but, um, I, I really, as soon as I, I hear that sort of impulse to say that mm -hmm. in my head, I, I stay away from it because I don't want alcohol to be considered medicine yes, or a solution. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, it is like, it's common vernacular and moms say it all the time. And yeah, maybe moms do feel that they need a drink cause they just need to take the edge off and maybe they don't have alcoholism and you know, like it's, that's not a thing for them, but yeah. I don't want it to be a solution. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Like I, I've never been a smoker, but I'm sure that some people find that same thing in smoking, right. Like that it just takes. So Yeah how do you, do, how do you feel when you're surrounded by bombs and it is such a common thing? I mean, does it, does it sort of irk you or? It, it really doesn't. And that is again, because that obsession has been, has been completely lifted for me. Um, I know that we're all different. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I have an amazing group of girlfriends um, and 
I'm one of eight of them. Um, and they all drink and I don't, and I have a club soda on the rocks and I have just as much fun as they do. So, you know, sober. Yeah. And, you know, I do, um, and, and I do hear so much about the, the mommy, the wine culture and right. hear so much of that, but, but it, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't affect me. I do want women to know that if you're struggling with the same disease that I am, there is a solution, but not all of us, not all women out there, like you just said, are, are alcoholics and addicts like me. Mm-hmm. Many millions can have one glass of wine to take the edge off and that's, and that's all they need. Right. right. But for someone like me, I can't stop at one. Mm-hmm. I need, I will drink a whole bottle. I will probably drink two bottles in, in a night. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm grateful that I can be surrounded by, by, by women who, who drink socially and are what mm-hmm. we call normal drinkers that don't have a problem. Um, well, and I know for a those little bit too, about some of your circle. Yes. <laughs> my impression is that they are also women who celebrate your sobriety. Oh, yes. And would I have never say, oh, come on, Emily, you can just have one, right? Like, never. Yeah, you have nope, that They're my biggest cheerleaders. And I think yeah. that's because I'm so open and honest about my sobriety. Yeah. I'm going to cry again, but they know that sobriety is a matter of life and death for me. Yeah. They know that I can't have just one drink. They know that if I do and I pick up, I'm not coming back. Yeah. That this disease will take my life. And it will take me from Nash. And that is not an option for me today. So I have, um, you know, a support system in place that they know that I'm not to be offered a drink and they welcome me to celebrate um, without having drinks. So, you know, I'm included in all of their celebrations and I do everything that they do. It's clean and sober. Yeah. And it's, um, it's so great that I finally found that like going back and talking about my childhood, just feeling like I never belonged and I was never accepted, mm-hmm. you know, into the group of girls. Like I have that today, clean and yeah. sober. And it's, it's again, the life that I've always wanted. It's amazing. And yeah, I'm so grateful to have found um, my, my circle of friends and, and my community that yeah. lifts me up and that supports me and helps yeah. me to carry the message. Yes. There's a solution out there. That's what we're doing today. Well, exactly. We're here telling moms that might be struggling, that there is mm-hmm. a solution and it is there okay. Is, it's okay. And life doesn't end when you stop drinking. Mm-hmm. Like it's just beginning, Yeah. you know, being present um, and being a present, clean, sober mom for Nash like I wouldn't be that today if I was still out there drinking and using, I probably wouldn't be alive. And if I was, I would not be the mom that he needs me to be today. Well, exactly. He has so many needs mm-hmm. and I want to talk about how he's doing. Cause I love seeing on Instagram, <laughs> you know, all the things he gets to do now. Um, mm-hmm. So I want to talk about that, but yeah, I just, if you, it's your sobriety that gave you the strength to be the mom he needs, right? Yes. Yeah. Like we, like we've just, um, we've just written about and, and talked about that. I say, I now say, and I've just come to realize in the last few months that sober is my superpower. Yes. And as long as I stay clean and sober, I'm, I'm able to do anything. I can survive 
um, EB. I can do the wound care that that is required. I have to do wound care for him morning and night. And there's there's a lot of extra care that he requires. But by doing that, um, being clean and sober, present and able to do that for him, he lives a really good life today. You know, when when Nash was first born, I wasn't, we weren't sure if he would ever walk. We weren't sure if he'd ever be able to wear clothes or wear shoes because those things that we do today without hesitation is not always possible for somebody with DB. Because right. um, you any know, te- kind of texture friction can just yes. skin right off, right? Or yeah. That my understanding. Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're very lucky and grateful that Nash has a mild form of EB. Yes. Um, so, but many cases, they're more severe cases, some fatal cases. Mm-hmm. Um, that they have to wear bandages head to toe and this literally the smallest bump will will take skin off underneath bandages and many wear their their clothing with their seams on the outside because seams from clothing will cause skin to shear off or cause blisters and having not knowing anything about EB when Nash was born, we had no idea what to expect. We didn't know what was going to happen with him. Right. And if his case was mild or not, right? Yeah, we didn't know, like we did have genetic testing done, which identified early on the first couple of months of his life that he did have um, epidermolysis bullosa simplex, which is the most mild form. Oh, okay, okay. Um, but he he still suffers, like he still has wounds and blisters all over his body today, but it, it doesn't stop him, right? He pushes no, he plays, on. He, like, tell, tell us about the sports and stuff. Like he's playing sports, yeah. he's out there. He is. He wants to do everything that his little buddies do. And I've always said that I will let him try anything. And um, so he, you know, never thought, never thought he'd do it, but he he played soccer last year. He just finished his skating lessons. You know, he just took his training wheels off and is riding a bike. Um, All things that we really didn't think he would ever do. And he is exceeding our expectations and beating the odds and, and living a fairly normal, very happy life. Yeah. Um, yeah, we, you know, we deal with the wounds and the blisters at the end of the day, and he's always getting back up and trying again, which I'm so grateful for. What a guy. Because for so long, it was, you know, he wore bandages for the first 14 months of his life on his feet because of those open wounds. So we really weren't sure how, where this was going to go, but I'm grateful to report that he is, he's alive and, and doing so well today. You Many with are. our diseases. Yeah. You know, many with our diseases won't live to see their next birthday. And I am grateful, uh, so grateful. I've said that a lot, but, um, you know, that, that we're alive and well and happy today. Yeah. Well, and I know you're grateful and there is higher powers at work supporting yeah. you and lifting <laughs> you up, but also to be acknowledged is you for doing the work, right? For both you and Nash. You know, and for him for doing the work too, but for Mm -hmm. you as his mama, just doing the work and, and figuring it out and yeah, making it happen. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. There's a, they say, you know, it works if you work it. And, you know, I, you know, came to a point in my life where I was desperate and willing to do absolutely anything that was suggested of me. So I did the work. Um, It was, you know, a simple program, not always easy because there's uncovering years and years of, of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but we've done it. We've done the work and that's why we're here today mm-hmm. is just simply from doing what was required of us. 
So what would you say to a mom who is listening to this going, oh, this may be me? You know, what would you say? I would say reach out, reach out to someone like myself. You know, that's all it takes in the beginning is simply reaching out to a sober alcoholic addict and saying, hey, I think I have a problem and I might need some help. That's all it takes. That's all I had to do in the beginning. You didn't, you know, I didn't have to do anything more. I just had to admit that I thought I had a problem and that I might need some help. This is something I couldn't solve on my own. And that's all it took for me was to be willing, honest, and open. That's it. But that is such a huge shift to make, to actually say that, like, cause you can think it in your head, Mm -hmm. right? But to say it out loud to somebody, it's a leap of faith. It, it certainly is. Right. And it took me years to do it. So it's not yeah. something that may come to someone overnight. Yeah. One may not muster up the courage today, but know that there is a solution out there yeah. and that sobriety is possible. And I am willing to share freely what was given to me yeah. to anybody who wants it. Again, it's a simple program, not always easy, but you're yeah. surrounded by people who have been where you've been and you are not alone. Yeah. And there is freedom and joy on the other side, right? Yes, there certainly is. You know how much I enjoy waking up, not hungover, like such a good feeling. Like there's so many great freedoms in sobriety, but just waking up and hearing the birds chirping. I used to hate listening to the birds at 6am, you know, being so hungover, but I embrace it today. And I love that I am present and uh, I remember everything that I've done that I can, that I can be there for Nash in, in every capacity that he needs because I'm clean and sober and yeah, there's so much freedom in sobriety and life is just beginning. It's amazing. I can just imagine like him coming into your room in the morning. And, yeah. you know, and if you weren't hung, if you're, if you're not hung over, you're there and you're present, but it would be so different if you were living oh. your old life, right? Like it, it just... would be so different. Like, I'll be honest, I would probably be going to bed when he was waking up. Like I would be crawling into bed before the sun comes up. Cause I hated seeing the sunrise when I was drunk or high. So I would be going to bed while he was waking up. Like, I can't imagine the things I would do or say to him so that I could get some sleep or so that I could come down. Like it it makes my stomach churn the thought how much, how much I would neglect him. Yeah. Like it's, it, um, it breaks my heart, um, for those children and families that are out there still struggling with this disease, you know, the, the hurt, um, that's being done to, to families. Um, I, I'm really thankful that I'm, I'm awake and alive and alert and present for Nash today. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Emily, you are so inspiring. Yeah. And I just, uh, I know that your message is going to connect for people. And if they aren't struggling themselves, they might know somebody who mm-hmm. is and understand some more of where it came from and what those people are struggling with. Right. It's Mm -hmm. you, um, you referenced it a minute ago, but I don't know if people know our connection. Um, Mm -hmm. but we met through the mom babes, 
uh, yes. which are two <laughs> phenomenal ladies. And we're both contributing authors in the Mom Babes, a Motherhood Anthology. Yes. Which, uh, I think by the time this episode comes out, it's it's just about being delivered into our hands. Very exciting. But this is your chapter is sobriety yeah. is your superpower and That's sharing true. your story. It's so beautifully written. I had the uh, honor to be able to hear Emily read her chapter. Um, and I'm sure there's a couple of words that have changed through the magic of editing yeah. and since then, but <laughs> it is so powerful. I mean, I'm, I'm proud of my chapter, but I want everybody to get this book because of the other chapters in it, the stories that these other moms are sharing. And yours is one that really, really just stands out to me is so inspiring, so beautiful. So thank you for everything you're doing to share your message. Thank you. Thank you for helping me to carry the message today. Um, I know that our, our book um, is going to change lives. Your story as well, right? Your story, women need to hear your story as well as mine and the yeah. others in the book because it helps us to know that we are not alone. Every exactly. situation that we go through in motherhood and life um, you are surrounded by people who've had the same experience and you have that community who will, who will lift you up and, yeah. and walk with you through that. Yes. Um, so I am grateful for the opportunity to share, um, a bit of my story today yeah. and I hope it will help somebody else to realize that there is a solution out there. Absolutely. I have a few questions I asked sure. everybody um, yeah. <laughs> just at the end of the podcast. How do you now define balance for yourself and your family? Or do you? Some people have a very strong reaction to that word. Um, I, you know, since becoming clean and sober, I really um, have you know, been able to, to balance life a lot better, right? Mm -hmm. When I was out there drinking and using life was an absolute mess. But now um, in motherhood, as a mom who works full time, and is a is a member of the fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous, and um, I have to really discipline myself mm -hmm. and, um, you know, have a pretty strict routine that I try to follow in order to balance the craziness of motherhood um, and all other things that I have going on in my life. Yeah. You know, I take time in the morning. I wake up before Nash. I get up early. I wake up at 5 a.m. and I get up and I have a routine of prayer and meditation and lots of coffee <laughs> and really just try to set myself up for, um, for, for a good day, right. Yeah. There's always going to be things thrown at my thrown at me, mm -hmm. um, throughout the day. But as long as I set the tone for my day, mm -hmm. um, by getting up early and doing the things that I need to do yeah. to be spiritually connected, to be a good mom, a good, really employee, intentional. And yeah. Yeah. Yes. I have to set those intentions every single day I love um, that. so that I can, so that I can balance life and the craziness of it. Yeah. I love it. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you just mentioned a few things that I absolutely consider self-care. Um, so obviously you make time for self-care. This is the next question. Um, yeah. What other things do you do for self-care? Well, because I am um, extremely busy, <laughs> I, it's, um, you know, my self-care really is for me, it's attending Alcoholics Anonymous meetings. Yeah. It's doing the prayer meditation. It is hot baths every single night before bed. Oh, nice. Yeah, I am a bubble bath person and Love it. it's something I do every night. Um, you know, it's connecting with other 
women and finding that sense of community. Mm-hmm. And those are all things that I need to do. And I, you know, I try to move my body if it's 15 minutes a day or 30 minutes a day. Um, not always, I don't always have the time, but I try to make the time to, to look after myself because, you know, they say you can't pour from an empty cup. So if I'm completely drained and not doing the things that I need to do, then I'm not able to give back and carry this yes. message and look after Nash. So I'm, I'm learning self-care. I'm really good at uh, being busy, <laughs> but um, I do try to practice self-care. I have to. Well, not, it sounds I'm... like you're doing an excellent job. I mean, that fill your cup is my language, right? I always talk yeah. about filling your own bucket and if you know, yeah. if your bucket runs dry, you can't pour into others. So exactly. That, that's, that's my language. That's my wheelhouse. <laughs> Yeah. All right. What is the biggest lesson you have learned as a mom? Oh, that motherhood is, you can think you're prepared for motherhood, um, but you're not going to be motherhood. (laughs) (laughs) You know, we can think we have it all planned out. You can buy the bassinet, you can buy the clothes, you can buy the crib, you can have everything prepared and ready to go, but you have no idea what motherhood is going to, to throw at you. Mm -hmm. And I've also, um, my other lesson is that I can survive motherhood without getting loaded, that it is possible to be a clean and sober mom. And that you do not need to drink just because you have children. I was once at a party and I was newly sober and someone said to me, come on, have a drink. I was like, no, no, I don't drink. She's like, just wait until you have children. You will drink again. Oh, and um, I now know that I don't, again, I don't have to drink to, to, in motherhood. Yeah. That it is possible to survive. That's an unsupportive statement. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. there's a lot to unpack in that statement. We're not going to go down that road, but wow, we're not going to go there. But, you know, and I, I think because I was newly sober, I did have some fear around it. And I was like, Oh, you're right. I don't know what's going to happen in motherhood, but I'm here today um, to say that, yeah, you don't have to drink, you know, it's motherhood's a bumpy road, but there's, there's other solutions out there. Absolutely. Well, and I think sobriety and the healthy habits I talk about all the time and like prioritizing sleep and all of those, I would say sobriety is like the the king of that, Mm -hmm. um, is what gives you the resilience you need because you don't know what motherhood will throw at you any day of the week after the bassinet. Like I'm 14 years in now (laughs) and I still don't know what motherhood's going to throw at me on any given day. Right. So doing those things we need to do to stay strong and resilient and healthy is really what it takes. Yeah. It's so important. Yeah, absolutely. So important. Mm -hmm. So how can our listeners connect with you? Um, about you. Yeah, definitely. They can um, visit, you know, at this point I have got um, my Instagram page, which is Emily L Tomlinson. Um, You'll find more information there about sober is my superpower. And, you know, they can tune into podcasts. They can, um, they can follow me on my social media platforms at this point. Awesome. And they can buy the mom, babes, the motherhood anthology to read your chapter. Yeah. Yes, they certainly can. And my, you know, my inbox is always open for anybody who is struggling and needs to know that they're not alone. Just reach out. I'm always available to have that chat and and make that connection. Amazing. 
Yeah. Amazing. Well, I mean, I've already said it several times throughout the episode, but I find you so incredibly inspiring, not just that you did this, but that you are making yourself a spokesperson and advocate to share this message far and wide with moms that need it with anybody that needs it, but mm-hmm. really f- for moms that might be struggling. Um, I'm, you're just incredible. And I'm so grateful to have this conversation today. Thank you so much. I'm so grateful that we've had this opportunity to chat today and that you've allowed me to carry the message to those who need it. I appreciate you. Do you ever feel like you've lost your spark a little? There's overwhelm. There are so many obligations. You're overseeing all of the things. Mom life is awesome, but it's also exhausting. And sometimes you feel like you can't get any space for yourself. Does that sound familiar? Well, it is time to reignite that spark. It's time to reignite your energy, your health, your confidence. It's time to reignite your life. And that is why I am so excited to introduce to you Mom Camp Ignite. It is a monthly membership with a private platform where you have access to incredible experts. We're going to have monthly calls where they're going to teach us about topics directly related to mom life. We're going to be talking about stress management. We're going to be talking about decluttering, body positivity, sexual health, all of the things that can help us live our very best lives. We're also going to have personal development opportunities, inspiration, weekly mindset check-ins and support, and monthly virtual happy hours. But it is more than that. It is a community. In this season, it can feel pretty isolating and the loneliness can be real. We need our village around us. Mom Camp Ignite is a community of incredible moms just like you, there to support each other through the challenging times of mom life and to celebrate our wins. It's going to be awesome. And I really hope to see you there. You can go to momcamplife.com slash ignite for all the details. All right, mamas, that's it for today. For more info about this episode, you can check out the show notes at momcamplife.com slash podcast. Hang out with us on Instagram at momcamplife. And if you love this episode, please share it with your friends. Thank you so much for tuning in and join us next time around the campfire.